This is Move Out Loud, a Galdem production. We've teamed up with Nike to take you, our community, on a journey of self-discovery using sport and movement as our springboard. Today, I am joined by Nike athlete and British weightlifter Emily Campbell, winner of the silver medal in the women's plus 87 kg event at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Her success made her the first British person to win in the sport since 1984. Not only this, but in August 2022, she set a new Games record, bringing home gold in the Commonwealth Games. Hi there, Emily. Welcome, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm really happy to be here. And I'm just starting off by saying, obviously, a huge congrats is in order with the gold medal win at the Commonwealth Games this year. (laughs) How was it? What was it like? The atmosphere, you know, the moment you realise you won, I want to know everything. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely immense from start to finish. I mean, our training hall was behind the stadium. So it's like they're essentially in the same room, but just behind. So we could hear the noise like all throughout the week. And I'm on the last day. So I'm like hearing it get louder every single day. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But it was just, it was so special to obviously do it in front of a home crowd. To know you had so many people come to watch you and support you. And the noise was just electric. It was like deafening. You literally couldn't hear yourself. There wasn't a seat left in my group. It was like completely sold out. And then obviously for me to go and have pretty much the perfect performance on the day was just like the icing on the cake. That sound must have been like tension building, especially like what you said you were at the last bit of the day. That's just build up. Yeah, I watched everybody in my whole team compete pretty much. Um, there was only one person that was after me and then then it's my turn. So you literally just see everything. You see all the highs, the lows of everyone's competition all week and you've got to kind of like take it on but just still concentrate because you, you're not done yet. Did you have like friends and family there in the audience? Yeah, I had so many people come to watch me. Obviously, my immediate family was oh, there, which nice. was lovely. And my sister was also competing in the game. So my sister swims to Jamaica. Um, so she managed to get over when she finished racing to obviously come and watch me. But then I had just like so many oh friends, gosh. like friends from my old weightlifting club, my current weightlifting club, friends I used to do athletics with. Like it was just like so many people came to watch, like the love was real. Mega support system. I love that. They must have been uh, so lovely having them all there, considering they've probably been with you on the journey like since a young age anyway. So just to be there at that pinnacle moment must have been amazing. And I've got to say, I've, I've really been looking forward to this episode to have a chance to talk to you because I think it's probably the sport that I know least about. So I'm literally an open book. I'm just really interested to hear your story about weightlifting and everything in between. So starting from the beginning, please tell me a little bit about some of your earliest memories just sort of with sport in general how did it all begin yeah I've just been a kid that's just always always loved sport I didn't really care what sport it was I just wanted to be involved I just really enjoyed doing it and from an early age of school I mean I used to dance I used to be really into performing arts as well and then I did my sport and it was really hard to like obviously manage the two but I just loved being busy all the time and I'd do every single after school club I swam from a very young age And then it was when I was in, I think I was around year nine of secondary school. And that's when I tried discus throw for the first time. My teacher essentially said to me, oh, Emily, we just do it. We need the points for the team. It's like a plate. You throw it like this. I was like, okay, whatever. So I went and threw it. And then apparently I beat everybody by like 10 meters or something for the first time I've ever done it. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I've never 
literally came back and was like, you have to go to the next round. I was like, what do you mean I have to go to the next round? Like, so then, yeah, I ended up doing that for the year. I think I went to the regionals that year and really enjoyed it. And then the year after, my teacher got really excited. She was like, oh, let's teach you the turn. Let's do this and do that. And then I finally joined Not AC and that's when I found my love for throwing. And then essentially throwing yes. is what led me obviously onto weightlifting. So I did throw in, I threw for Notts AC for a few years, um, really enjoyed it, went to English schools, went to, you know, national competitions, made my first British championships, I think in 20, 2013, I think it was, if I remember rightly, the indoors. I just really loved it, really loved the community of athletics, really loved the social of it. And then I'm just one of them people that I always want to see how far I can push myself. Like, what can I do to be... Nice that little bit better. If I tried that little bit harder, what would happen? I never want to be a person who says, what if? So I went to a coach when I was at university in uh, Leeds. I went to Leeds Beckett. But then, yeah, I asked a coach there and I said, you know, I really want to get better at shot port. And somebody said that Olympic weightlifting would help me do that. And he was like, yeah, I can teach you some of the technique. And I just started doing weightlifting and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And then he was like, I know you didn't want to compete, but like, I think you'd be pretty good. And obviously at this point, I thought he was bonkers, like, but I was like, oh, what's the worst that can happen? So I bought a suit, I bought a membership and I bought, I had the worst pair of weightlifting boots you've ever seen in your entire life. There wasn't even... Oh no, really? Yeah. <laughs> and I went to my first competition and I qualified for the English Championships. And I went to the English Championships mm. and I won silver. And then I was like, oh, I might be all right at this. I can't explain the feeling that I got when I got on a weightlifting platform. Never had that when I'd done athletics. Like I loved athletics, but I never had that feeling. And I was like, I think this might be me. I think this might be my thing. So in 2016, I'd already committed to the athletic season, but then obviously I had weightlifting competitions as well. And then, yeah, I kind of got to the end of summer and the weightlifting coaches had kind of, you know, come to me and sat me down and kind of said, we really think you can make it in weightlifting. Uh, we're not forcing you to quit athletics, but, you know, if you really want to commit, you're going to have to just commit to weightlifting. And decided to make the switch and it, it paid off. And that's why I'm a big believer of everything happens for a reason. 100% like especially when it all just happens organically like that and it's like nothing was forced and you just went with your feeling at the time like what you enjoyed the most what gave you like the most fun and that's it and also just your complete like badass mentality to like being like I'm gonna just push myself and keep going that's what is just like so admirable so here for it especially young girls of color you know we're made to sort of like shrink down and I'm so interested to hear like where this sort of like badass competitive brave spirit where did it come from I think it always came from my parents you know my dad always said to me that you live in a world where you have to try harder than other people and um, it doesn't mean you're any less than them but it just means that you have to try harder to achieve what you want to achieve and my mum always gave me that you know you can do anything you want to do kind of attitude and I think the combination of the two made me go I really can do what I want but I'm gonna have to work my ass off for it and me and my sister we always laugh at my parents and we always say they did such a good job because we ended up with two elite athletes and we don't know how they managed it Boom. <laughs> um, but you know I think it was the fact that they were just so invested in us like they gave us so many opportunities and they never gave up on us but then they never forced us at the same time like I remember coming home one day and I was, I was petrified I really didn't want to go swimming anymore. this just wasn't for me I think I'd done my time and then one day I just went home and I was like mum I don't want to go swimming anymore and she was like that's fine and I was like oh that was easy <laughs> like, that's it it's that fine line isn't it between encouraging and then pushing it's like a fine line but then she was badass in the way that would have drove home in rush hour traffic to take me to athletics training and I'd be at home going, oh, I just yes. don't feel like it. She's like, get up, get changed. You are going to training. <laughs> like, 
it was one of those like she was such a good balance like she would generally never force me to do something if not but if she knew I was being lazy she'd be like right get up get changed you going like she's like I have not drove home in rush hour traffic for you to tell me you're not going you are absolutely (laughs) (laughs) and it's also just like being your role model is like just showing you what discipline looks like just even having someone to be that disciplined and so invested in you it's just like teaching all those lessons it's incredible such a good support system so important dealing with some of those pressures around especially being a black woman in white male dominated spaces you know like weightlifting and shop put have you been like one of the only women of color in some of these spaces how's it felt as a black woman you have to be very careful on what you say how you deliver it because it might not be received in the same way as your white counterpart and i'm obviously very aware of that but then at the same time i want to be me and i want to not be shushed i want people to hear what i'm saying So it is a very fine line between expressing yourself and making sure you're giving out the right message, but then being careful of what you're saying and and, and hoping that it's not going to be twisted or perceived in a way that, you know, somebody else thinks that it should be. For me, I do just try and stay as true to myself as I can whenever I'm in any situation or with anybody. And unfortunately, not everybody's going to like your opinion and not everybody's going to be on the same page as you and agree with you. But I think that's just the way life is. Um, and I think as long as you're respectful about it. I did read an article about how you face criticism when you were awarded some funding by, is it the British weightlifting sort of ahead of the Tokyo Games? I believe it was one of your white counterparts has claimed you only got the money because of the colour of your skin. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. That's literally, that's just so like massive eye roll. Tell me more about that. How did that land with you? Yeah, it's crazy, actually, because I haven't actually broke my silence on this. But, you know, we're we're in a real space now and I'm happy to talk about it. It was very hard for me because to know you've worked so hard for something and you've actually had, I actually had it a lot harder than a lot of the other females on my team because I joined the sport when the sport had no funding at all. So I, Mm. up until Tokyo Games, I self-funded myself from the beginning I started my career until the Tokyo Games. So I had to work. I had to, you know, do extra things to be able to give myself enough money to pay for my supplements, to pay for my clothes, to pay for my training. Like, I did absolutely everything, you know. I obviously got my parents to thank for that as well because they let me live in their house and, you know, I ate them out of home and stuff and whatever. But essentially, you know, to put fuel in my car to get to train every day, I had to do that myself. And actually, my white counterpart had been a part of a funding system before that. And then finally, when I was given something that I deserved... All of a sudden, it was because of the because of the color of my skin. Mm. I didn't report the incident to the federation. I probably should have. Okay, but I didn't because, fortunately, we was friends, and I I'm a big believer in educating people. I'm mm. a big believer in not all of a sudden blaming people for the comments and the things that they have. And unfortunately, I know we live in twenty twenty two, and we shouldn't have to keep explaining these things and educating people. But unfortunately, we live in a UK where we still have to explain things. And I wanted to be in a space where I could try and educate and try and improve people's way of thinking instead of putting somebody under under blast or under fire because that's not the way I've been raised. But somebody else yeah. thought that it was, you know, horrific enough to be reported. And then it obviously went into an investigation. It was reported in the November. They only came to a conclusion in the March. So it took that long to do an investigation. Wow. It was meant to be an independent investigation. But actually, the CEO, he's not the CEO anymore basically recommended the punishments or sanctions that should happen to this, you know, individual. And you could tell it was 
let's get this over as quickly as possible. Let's try not draw as much attention. Yeah, sweep it under the rug. And, you know, there was not going to be even be a sanction for this person. This person was essentially going to be allowed to continue competing and was just going to get a slap on the wrist and say, don't do it again. Wow. Luckily, I was in a space where I was athlete rep on the board. And this is where it puts me in a really compromising position because I want to be on the board because I want to make changes and I want to make sure that everybody is listened to and heard as an athlete. And I don't want anybody to ever go through what I had to go through my federation again. But then at the same time, it's when they make decisions like that, it's really hard for me to represent them because they're not representing the, the full athlete cohort. Yeah. But then uh, a lot of fighting, we managed to get a sanction of a three months ban from international competition which, again, it was only done when we caused the force and it had to be brought to the board. But, you know, if we wouldn't have caused that force, then the board... Always got to scream and shout yeah. just to be heard. And this is the problem. It's like, you know, you can't win because you scream and shout and we're angry black women that always have an opinion and always got too much to say and always moaning about something. But then you don't scream and shout and nothing gets done. And it's really hard as well to try and persuade parents to put their girls and boys of colour into our sport when they know things like this are going on and they know that, you know, people above don't see it as an issue. And and unfortunately, and not unfortunately, I mean, great for us, but in our sport, a lot of our top lifters are people of colour, you know? And so, you know, which is amazing for us, but then it's also very unfortunate when that's what your sport is represented by, but behind the scenes, it's not represented by that. Don't have the same values, yeah. I think we've come a long, long way, and I'm not going to sit here and say that we haven't, but we are still in a space where majority of our population still have these thoughts, still think that these opinions and comments are okay. What are the steps into getting it changed? Like, behind the scenes, it needs to change from the round up or from the top, really, to be honest. I do have to give props now to British Weightlifting. We have a new CEO and he's really working on diversifying our board and getting people of colour on there. And I think that's the most important thing, that the people at the top are in a diverse state because that's half of the problem, that, you know, what's being represented down below on the ground is not being represented up at the top. And I think you find this with a lot of companies that, you know, you look at their staff and you think, oh, they've got lots of diverse staff, you know, lots of females, lots of people from different backgrounds. And then you go and look at their board and a lot of it's just full of white males. So, you know, like I said, I'm a person, I'm still athlete rep and I'm still going to fight for the athletes. I'm still going to fight for everybody and I'm still going to sit on that board and I'm still going to speak my truth because I do believe that we can sit and moan about things not happening, but then we don't want to do anything to help the solutions. And I think that's a very big problem. People that sit and complain, so that's why I'm going to stay on the board and I'm going to try and help move our sport in the right direction as much as we can. So I want to leave it in a space where I feel that young people, especially young people of colour, can come into our sport and can excel like I have. Yeah, just like talking the talk and walking the walk and being that role model and just doing what you preach is so inspirational. And we have to have people like you doing it. We ha- There has to start. And thank you so much for opening up about all of that topic. I hear you. So there's lots of things to think about, like juggling so many different things, so many different thoughts going on in our heads that we have to think about all the time. Does it ever, like when it comes down to pressure about body image, has that ever been a thing to you, sort of like trying to get into your weight category for competitions or, you know, anything like that? I can imagine that's another stress on top. Yeah, 100%. Especially in the sport of weightlifting, being a super heavy woman is, is very hard. 
Um, the men, yeah. are, the men are often, you know, praised for what they do and how much they lift and always oh, so amazing. But then as a woman, yeah. like we're fat, we're disgusting, we're overweight, we should be able to lift that amount. And the standards change wow. all of a sudden because our genders change. And it's like, hold on a minute, actually what I'm doing. And then a lot of people go, oh, yeah, but it's good for a girl. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah. You know, I do get a lot of comments and stuff like for me. I've learned to be very comfortable within my body. I've not always been this big. I did have to put weight on to be in the weight category that I am. What my body does is absolutely amazing. And without it being this body weight, I would not have achieved half the things. I weigh around 126 kilos. Don't know what that is for in other metrics for other people that have to wear that. No, out. me neither. But yeah, and <laughs> but you know, I compete against girls that are 140, 150 kilos plus. So when I was starting out in the sport and I was around 100 kilos, like, unfortunately, my sport is mass moves mass. Um, and there was no way on this planet, as a super heavyweight female, I was going to lift the numbers that I needed to be world class at that body weight. So I had to make a conscious decision to put that that amount of body weight on and to obviously, you know, be improving my sport. And the things that I've managed to achieve since I've done it has been amazing. Society has this ideal that we should look how we look. But there's a reason why we're all different is because that's the way the world is. The reason we all look different and we're all unique and that's the beautiful thing about it so I try and be as positive as I can and I try and show other girls you know how to be confident in their own skin and how to be you know be proud of what they are and what they've become because you know it's not all about the number on the scales or how you look or you know the clothes that you wear or you know xyz and I've you know done a lot of work you know campaigning for bigger gym size clothing and stuff so how do you expect somebody to start their journey of being healthier when they can't even get a gym kit to fit themselves to go to the gym like that's it's absolutely ridiculous um and obviously the comments are nice but then I always think if you're gonna take that time out of your day to be horrible to somebody what does that say about your character there's no reflection on me it's completely on you so um continue to you know want to do that that's that sounds like a you problem not a me problem 100 percent. and I'd love to know some of the other benefits of weightlifting like beyond like the major competitions and things like that you've touched on a little bit sort of like about your mental health but any other benefits about that sort of like day-to-day health fitness wise and mentality yeah definitely I mean I think mentality is is the biggest one like you know weightlifting is one of the toughest sports on the planet like a lot of it is to do with mental you can train hours and hours and hours and your body can be in the best shape possible but if your mind's not up to it on the day then there's absolutely no point in being there because you have to mentally think you are capable of, of doing this and also the process of when we compete as well we put a lot of trust in our coaches so we don't have any anything to do with weight selection or what we start on or what the weight really? is on the day. It's so all down to them. It's all down to them. So you have wow. to be confident enough and mentally strong enough to know that they're going to make the right decisions for you as well. It's kind of surrender as well, isn't it? Yeah, essentially it is, you know, giving a piece of power of your, of your competition to them. And, you know, I'm I'm very, very lucky that I'm in a space where I have three of the best coaches on the planet. They're a well-oiled machine. They know exact, They know me inside out. I know them nice. inside out and I can fully, fully put my trust in them. But then, yeah, it's, it's it, you then obviously have to transfer that into life because sometimes when you're in control of things, you're not completely in control of things. And, and sometimes in life, you have to risk putting your trust in other people. And sometimes those things don't pay off. But it's about mm. learning to be strong enough and confident enough to go, right, OK, that didn't work, but I'm going to do this or, you know, that paid off. So I'm going to do X, Y and Z. And I think it's just, you know, transferring the skills over and, and generally as well for weightlifting, like it's this physical literacy. Like my coach is 82 years old and he's weightlifted pretty much all his life. 
And he still comes in the gym now while we're warming up. He goes and does all his exercises on his machine. He goes on the cross trainer. He does his exercise. And he don't look anywhere near 82 years old because he's exercised all his life. And, you know, we want to, as a weightlifting community, teach the world that how healthy it is to do weights. Not for you to be strong or look strong. It's for you to, you know, live your day to life and live as long a life as possible. You want to be the grandma or the granddad that can take their grandkids out and actually do activities with them and, and run around with them and enjoy that life. You know, it's things about that. It's things about thinking about your future. And I think people forget that it's, you know, it's about transferring that into life as well. So inspirational. It's, it's a complete lifestyle, isn't it? It's a way of thinking. It's a way of keeping your body happy, healthy, everything. Have you always been comfortable with a gym environment? The reason I ask is because the gym, I know for like the majority of people can be quite an intimidating space, even more so for women and non-binary people of colour. And of course, the gym is where most of weightlifting happens. For any of our audience who may be thinking about taking up the sport, but are worried about the space in the gym, have you got any advice for them? I've heard horror stories about you know commercial gyms and females don't really feel safe in there and obviously that that's something that you definitely has to stop you know a woman should be able to just go and work out and and come home and and not have to think about what she's wearing in the gym or how she's feeling or what she what exercise she'd be doing if someone's looking at her you know that is ridiculous but I think I've been very lucky in the fact that I've always been in spaces where strong females have been accepted and I think that's really important I learned very early on that you're never going to you're never going to be everyone's favorite. Somebody's always going to have something to say about what you do, but as long as the people around you and the people that are important to you are supporting you and love you for you, then just do what you're doing because you're going to end up spending your whole life trying to impress everybody and it's never ever going to work and then you're going to be miserable. Yeah, completely. I mean, have you have you got any advice like you're saying about sort of women and non-binary people of color especially? Like, do you have you got any advice on how they might be able to navigate like being in a gym? Unfortunately, like we still live in society where men's egos get the best of them and they're always going to make yeah. comments. And I think it's just the way that you take on that comment just because somebody comes and tells you, "Oh, I think mm. you're doing that exercise wrong" or blah 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 or starts trying you up in the gym. I think, you know, use your energy and confidence to be like Actually, I'm just working out. I'd really just like to, you know, work out today. Thank you very much. And then you go about your business and you never even think about what they said to you again. I know it's a hard thing to do, but I think you just got to keep doing what you're doing. And obviously, if you ever feel like, if you ever feel like yeah. you're, you know, being harassed by somebody or you're not comfortable in a space, that's what the staff at the gym are there for. And I know there's been a lot of times before where women or people of non-binary or whatever have got them reported and said, I don't feel comfortable this certain person's doing X, Y, yeah. and Z. And they've dealt with it. Because most people that, you know, PTs in a gym or managers of a gym want everybody to be able to work out in a safe space and will not tolerate that kind of thing. So if you feel like you're in a... You're in a no. Yeah, it's a it professional, is a professional space. space. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that does really seem like the gym is, like, really home for you. You're obviously spending so much time there and, like, probably making loads of lovely relationships and things like that. I'm wondering about how being an athlete, like, at the level that you're at, like, how does it impact your life beyond just, like, sport and fitness? Do you feel like it's mainly within the weightlifting community or, or will you still be able to merge both sides of your life? I do feel like it's difficult because you do have to make a lot of sacrifices when you're at my level. You know, you can't be out all the time. Yeah. You can't do things. And, you know, you've got to make sure you're at home and, and in bed for a certain time. You've got to make sure you meals for the yeah. day. You've got to do that. But, you know, I do try and enjoy my life as much as I can. And, and, you know, I think the beautiful thing about sport is as well, you also make friends within other sports, you know. 
Uh, I've got, you know, friends yeah. across loads of different sports, athletics, boxing, you know, judo, etc. that they're, I get to do lovely things with them as well. And like, you know, you go, I love to go watch live sport. You know, I love to go watch the boxing a lot. And obviously a, a lot of my good friends who I went to the Olympics with have now turned pro and obviously, uh, uh, you know, fighting all around the country now. And it's so amazing to go and obviously watch them in a, in a pro setting and stuff. So that's really good. And obviously you meet people there that, you know, you end up being friends with. And so I think that, you know, in a way sport does branch you out and obviously it does give you, it does give you the confidence. It's also it's a privilege to be in my position. There's some people out there that have done absolutely amazing things and still don't get, you know, recognition or the, you know, the support that they should do. So I always think that when you are received well by the public, which I think I have been, you know, since Tokyo, people really have embraced me and really believe in me as a person and stuff. And that's obviously really a beautiful thing. So, you know, I never take that for granted. Um, And I always do, you know, think that, Mm. you know, like I said, I try and walk the things that I talk um, and I try really hard to be, you know, the person that I preach to the world that, you know, um, you you should be. So, yeah, it can be difficult. But then I also just think, you know, this is a privilege and, and you've got to um, take every single moment and enjoy it. Completely. Yeah. And you're absolutely owning it. And I have to say, I'm so super proud of you. Like everything that you've achieved, it's like incredible. I've got just a couple more questions just as we're finishing off just some like little hot seat questions so what are you doing today that you in 20 years will be thankful for going to the gym (laughs) boom (laughs) my last question is how do you define success something that makes you feel like you've bettered yourself Wow, thank you so much. That was amazing. So, so, so inspiring. I've loved hearing about your journey and everything to do with weightlifting. I I do dabble in a bit of weightlifting at the gym, but nothing in comparison. I always feel a little bit shy of getting getting the whole thing. I just do with like the free weights. But yeah, you're gonna, you've pushed me into giving it a go. I need to just get over that. That's it. It's a start. And, you know, before you know it, you'll be on to doing more and doing more and then you'll love it. And if you ever want any tips, you know where I am. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much, my love. Thank you. It's been amazing. Check out the Galdem social channels at Galdem Zine for more on weightlifting and the importance of representation in this sport. Don't forget you can download the Nike app hear from inspiring young women driving change today thank you so much for listening i have been your host tanuke and this is move out loud big love